Real educators, real students, real struggle. We bring you stories from schools and classrooms that reveal the true struggles faced in education. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Struggle for Change uh, live Facebook broadcast. And we are going to record this and it will become our second video podcast. Um, the three of us tonight are going to have a conversation with you all regarding the state of affairs that we're all facing in the state of California as we begin to return to school, the brick and mortar school, by the way, because as we know, we've been in school since last March. It's just been a very different um, destination. So my name is Tracy Bondi. I'm an IT leader. I have about 19 to 20 years of ed tech leadership experience across five different districts in California. And I want to introduce my partners. Emily, Hi, go I'm ahead. Em yeah, I'm Emily Hendricks. I am an associate director of technology at Hillbrook School in Los Gatos. Um, have a lot of experience with working at a small independent school as a tech administrator, leader, specialist, and also a digital music teacher in middle school. And right. Valerie. Hi, everybody. I'm Valerie Sun, and I am a teacher specialist in ed tech at a school district in Southern California. And I've been doing this tech thing for quite a while, but my heart of hearts goes towards dual immersion programs where we learn, teach our kiddos to speak a second language from the get-go, starting in kindergarten. So. That's where I am. <laughs> so we began this podcast, oh gosh, uh, a very long time ago before COVID and actually this month. So we're at our one year anniversary. We have published, I believe, 14 to 15 podcasts on various topics, all related to uh, the change that we are seeing occurring in education as we evolve Emily, Valerie, and I came together at a Q boom in 2019, and we began to collaborate on this project from various um, angles and passions. So here we are, fast forward a year, and we're now seeing the state of California begin its uh, deployment of vaccinations for teachers. Oh, there we go. That's smart. Check it out. There and it is. The, <laughs> yeah, there it is. And the... Um, the inevitability of teachers returning to brick and mortar as classified staff and admins return and, and students that'll be making their way. So Emily and Valerie are going to uh, lead most of the discussion tonight because they're coming from two very different angles. Emily is in a small school in the Los Gatos, California area. It's an independent school. And uh, you guys have been in a hybrid model, about 75% of your students online or on campus, 25% online since August of 2020. Um, Valerie is part of a leadership team in a district and they are planning the uh, beginnings of a hybrid model that will be coming soon in about three weeks to their um, teachers in their classrooms and in their community. So I wanna turn it over to you guys. We're having a very raw discussion tonight and we're hoping to get some good questions and input from our audience. So uh, ladies, let's go ahead and kick off from where we left off last week when we began this conversation on the topic of hybrid education. And you want to start or do you want me to start? I think you should start since you have a recent uh, interaction with, uh, you know, planning for hybrid, more, more <laughs> recent updates than I do. 
<laughs> so I, I think I am going through the stages of grief where like last week I was just really upset. And I, I, I want to say I, I am still upset because I think this is just not the best learning environment for our students or for the teachers, right? There's just a bunch of stress, like trying to manage both things. Um, and over the weekend, I felt really hopeless. Like, okay, I am defeated. I am just going to, I, I have to, like, I'm gonna do everything that I can to train the teachers in this instructional shift, right? I can't beat the beast. The decision has been made, we're going back. So let's just see what I can do. So over the weekend, I just started compiling things like this is what I think, like with the help of the teachers that I'm speaking to, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, okay, so to help our students really get ready for this, what do they need to do? So here's a list of things that parents can do to help prepare their students um, to come back, especially because our district is coming back TK to second first. Okay, so like what are some transition things like how what levels of independence do our students need and I'm putting in there like make sure your kid knows how to tie his or her shoes or come to shoes with um, with Velcro because we're most likely not going to be able to go tie their shoes anymore. You know, um, does your kid know how to like use their own tissues, like blow their own noses. Because mm -hmm. as a kindergarten teacher, I blew a ton of noses or helped them <laughs> blow a ton of noses, right? <laughs> and I can't, most likely shouldn't do that anymore, you know? So like, make sure your kiddo knows how to do this. Can your kid wash his or her hands independently without adult supervision and do so correctly without playing with water, right? <laughs> So just like all of these things. And then I'm also thinking, okay, from the teacher perspective, here are like what the teachers need too, right? We need a ton of grace from curriculum or curricula, I guess, um, because it is going to be like the first six weeks of school where we come back in. Right. And there right. is that transition of let me set the routines, you know? Um, but at the same time, while they're setting the routines with the in-person kiddos, what are the online kiddos going to do, right? They're, they're going to be really bored trying to learn these new routines. So it's like, okay. So well, and jealous we're... too, right? Jealous. Yes. How, most... how do you combat jealousy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just this whole thing of like, okay, so then this is what we need here. Like, let me work on this puzzle here. These are my ideas. Like everything on top of my Google Docs is like draft living document. <laughs> More changes coming, right? More ideas coming. Um, and so it's just like, okay, so I am, and I got some good feedback on that. Some people are adding some things in, you know, which is nice. And then one of my colleagues posted today in this shared document of all the PDs that we need to have for our teachers, 
um, an article by Catlin Tucker, who, you know, is an amazing educator, right? Mm -hmm. And so she had written a blog post back in September in how we can alleviate the situation. And it really becomes the student-centered driving force in education where she was like, you know, station rotation is the thing to go. Flipped learning classrooms. You know, you have your moment together, but then you also have this other moment so that you really, really take advantage of the instructional time that you have together. Um, So that seemed really cool. And then, so after reading that, I was like, okay, let me make that shift in my mind. What are the tech tools that we do have that can offer this station rotation model and have that independence built in with the te- with the students who are used to online learning already, right? And what are the trainings? And for the teachers who aren't using those tools, what types of trainings I could give to make this less painful, you know? So I'm feeling a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's been a couple of days light. it's been a couple of days right feel, right yeah I feel a little bit better and then we have a super rock star teacher who's like hey Val you you know you could come to my classroom and help me set things up and then at the same time we could record it so that we could you know put it on what do you call it when it goes faster shoot I can't think of it Are you referring to the video speeding up? Yes. Um, Like time-lapse, are you talking about? Time-lapse. Yes. Woo, that took a lot. (laughs) Time-lapse. I was like, I used this word today. Um, You sure did. (laughs) um, And then like time-lapse the whole setup. So then teachers who are going to be setting up their classrooms can kind of see how we played with different ideas or, you know, played with how the actual computer setup is going to be, where we've decided to put the second document camera, not document, the second webcam that we have, Mm -hmm. um, positioning of the computer and the devices, where are we going to put, you know, maybe a secondary perspective, right? Maybe it's with another Chromebook or with something else. I don't know, just whatever the tech, tools, um, the physical tools that the teachers actually have or that the school has um, that we can kind of play with to really see what's, you know, the most optimal situation in this elementary classroom. So it's also nice to see that there are some teachers who are like, yes, we are ready for this and bring it on. Like, you know, just bring it on. We're going to do it. Right. But I also do totally understand the teachers who have a lot of hesitation in like, I need more digestion time, you know? So that's my- Yeah, I was gonna say, it feels like, you know, classroom management is a brand new topic. And I know Emily, you guys have been in a hybrid mode since August. Um, You know, as we're thinking about all the tech tools that have to be set up and people that have to be quickly trained because they had to jump ship out of their normal classroom environment a year ago, and now they're coming back. Um, 
what have you seen in the time that you guys have been hybrid around classroom management that you might want to offer in addition to everything that Valerie just mentioned on the topic of technology tools? Sure. So we had to start by choosing a couple tools that were going to be universally used. Um, because we started way back in the fall, we didn't have as much information or data from other schools or other examples quite yet. And so there was actually a team of us that that interviewed some leaders from other schools just to see what everyone else was kind of planning. And so we made the decision to purchase 31 Meeting Owl Pros to be used in every classroom cohort um, and not necessarily to be used for every teaching setup. But we had to have something in place that could be a, a resource for every teacher, depending on the scenario. And having uh, some tools that were used universally for each grade strata. So like for lower school, they all use Seesaw for, for classroom management with um, assignments and projects and activities. And for middle school, they all use Google Classroom. So those are examples of things that we just needed to put out there as like, these are going to be the baseline framework. Um, and then it was a matter of, there was a lot of coaching that happened and finagling kind of what, like what Valerie was mentioning is going on now um, with, first of all, like how can we make this classroom safe? There, you know, there's a, there was a lot of redesign that happened in classrooms for being able to keep those tables six feet apart. And then, once you have those physical elements in the right places and have like little um, areas for each student, then we, then they can move into, okay, where can I put this meeting owl pro, you know, in the classroom so that it, it's in, within a good range for audio, which I believe it can reach 18 feet for um, sort of more background classroom noise and eight feet for direct uh, translation pickup. So of course, teachers aren't going to be thinking of all those variables right away because, you know, at, at the time it was just so many, so many things to think about it. And it still is in some ways. So we had to, the tech team and also some admin had to just help each teacher, each cohort figure out like, okay, is my classroom safe? First of all, do I understand all of the safety protocols that the school put in place? And then the next step is, you know, looking ahead, what setup might I need to use as like a baseline setup, even if I don't use the meeting owl every single time. So that took a lot of time and just thinking. Um, and then it was a matter of, we we created, I, I mentioned in the last podcast, we created a, a website for asynchronous resources that we initially had set up for new faculty. So these are all the things that you might need to know and like you might use in your teaching and just a, 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 a menu of, of categories and we added one for asynchronous um like setups and, and especially with the meeting owl because there are so many different ways that you could set it up as Val was mentioning depending on the devices that you have available you might have one device you might have three um you might have two teachers that are co-teaching at the same time. So maybe one can monitor the chat and Zoom while the other does the live teaching. Maybe you want the actual, maybe you're a teacher that likes to use an actual like paper poster, like for the T-charts in lower school, that's a very common thing. So we had some teachers that just really didn't want to step away from using the physical T-chart. So like, how can I show that to students in the classroom and online? Um, 
we had a, you know, we definitely had some transitions of planning and in, in, in like the classroom management, the classroom expectations. Um, when you have in-person and live, that was definitely a thing. I remember we did our orientation at the beginning of the year, all online, because I think at that time we were actually all virtual for a couple of weeks. So that actually, I think made it easier because teachers could just design the experience for everybody. Like as far as here's the, what the school year is going to look like here are the tools you're going to use. And I think that's actually pretty powerful because even if a student is in the classroom, the entire school year, um, there may be, or is planning on being in the classroom, there may be days when they need to learn from home. And so it's like, why not train every student as if they're a virtual learner? Um, you know, so here's the Google Classroom and the CESA. Here's how that works. Here's our etiquette for being online. And then you, you're going to have to tack on, of course, the normal um, routines that you're going to use in person which are going to be different with maybe hand sanitizing and maybe different protocol around recess and lunch and those kind of things, which the virtual learners won't be a part of. But I think there's something to be said about, you know, treating everyone as a distance learner in some, for some portion of that, it was helpful. And we've had success with that. And even in my classes, like I've, I've definitely had students that have flip-flops, like they'll be in class a couple days and then they'll be at home for three days. So they do need to know like the, expectations for both worlds I think um, and uh, another observation is that you know you do need to think about always as a teacher in general like what is the goal for this this particular lesson or activity like do what do students actually need to see in, either in the classroom or online do they need to see my face like in every like close-up thing that I'm saying with my uh, with my mouth like my if I'm doing like dual immersion or something, do they, do they need to see like what I'm illustrating um, some kind of whiteboard software? Maybe you'll use uh, like explain everything. Maybe you'll just show the iPad. Do I, do I want to see my face and the iPad? You can, there's ways to do that with QuickTime and zoom. Um, do they need to see a physical, you know, whiteboard behind me? Does it, is that going to show up in the camera? So we have, you need, it is important to test all these, all of these scenarios and be at least somewhat familiar with the options that you have. And of course, it's not going to all come at once. You know, oftentimes it comes when the lesson comes, like I'm planning this thing. What can I use to have the most successful experience? And some of the main tools that have been most helpful for teachers in our setup is QuickTime Player, because they all have a Apple laptop. You can also get that on PC. It's very useful for connecting directly the iPad to the laptop and have it show the iPad screen. And then you can always float your face like in a separate window if you need to or not. Um, it's a much more reliable way to connect rather than using any kind of uh, wireless method to connect. I found as, as a tech specialist, like we've been pushing, making things as direct connect as possible. <laughs> so. We've always we've told teachers this entire year, like it's not ideal to airplay. It's not ideal to um, do wireless Bluetooth connections. Yeah, agreed. And tethered is better. Exactly, tethered is better. <laughs> um, and of course, there's scenarios where that's not possible, but that's something that we had to kind of just really instill and ingrain from the beginning of the school year. So, essentially, in, so you know, in summary, just. Having baseline items, whether it's a physical camera that everyone uses or whether it's 
digital software that everyone uses that, you know, starting there and starting with classroom safety and starting with protocol. And then from there, it can become more organic, giving teachers options of what it might look like to do this particular lesson and and knowing that some teachers might not get to that point of transformation. And so like midway through, like, oh, shoot, I didn't even know that this existed, even, <laughs> even if we already <laughs> told them about it, you know. So those are a few tidbits so far. Well, so for uh, those of you just joining us, welcome. We're having a conversation on the topic of returning to our brick and mortar schools. I think it's very important to uh, not talk about we're returning to school because we've been in school every day. We never missed a day. Districts maybe took one week off to take a breath and they jumped right in. Um, So we're now in the state of California getting ready to return to our brick and mortar environments in the next Three weeks for some districts, two weeks for others, um, five weeks for some, but it's it's coming. All of our small and large districts, if they haven't already returned to hybrid or like Emily's school, if they hadn't begun in hybrid, they're going there. So the conversation we're having tonight is on that topic and mostly in relationship to help all of you listening and watching to know that you're not alone. We're uh, deeply concerned about your well-being. And we're deeply concerned about your um, your resilience and your sanity during this crazy time. So uh, I want to actually introduce Doreen Bondi because she has joined us from a very specialized angle tonight. And she is going to um, be a nice complement to each of our different skill sets. And she's going to, I'm going to ask her to talk a little bit about, um, you know, you've, you've listened to where Valerie is and her planning. You've listened to the podcast that we created last week in this live stream tonight with Emily talking about how they um, began and what they've uh, been doing in relationship to just a teacher in a classroom with a number of kids. Not a site-wide initiative, not a district-wide initiative, not changing the planet. This is just a teacher, and this conversation is for teachers. So, Doreen, if you don't mind unmuting, um, if you could introduce yourself, and then I'm going to ask you a couple uh, topics type questions that I'd like you to expand upon. Okay, well, thanks so much for um, allowing me to join tonight. I am not a teacher. I actually work in a high school library, um, but my background is in health education. I've been doing that for about 20 years. So um, I come to the table here because I was worried about teachers before the pandemic. Um, I <laughs> strong advocate for teacher and student health and mental well-being. Um, and that's where I try to put a lot of my energy. Um, so when the pandemic hit, I obviously was very concerned about our teachers, um, our teachers surviving it. Um, and it's been, it's been heartbreaking for me to watch Um, what you all are going through. I want to give you all a big hug and tell you you're doing an amazing job. And, um, you know, I spend a lot of time on Twitter just trying to get a feel for what's going on with folks and teachers are taking a beating and you guys don't deserve it for one minute. I mean, I, I agree with what Tracy said. Our schools have been open since the beginning. Our schools didn't close. The buildings are closed. And I think that folks need to recognize that. And I'm also, you know, coming from the perspective of, of being a parent with the mm-hmm. kids learning online at home too. And I, to, for those of you who are t- 
teaching online as well as supporting your own kids learning online, boy, hats off to you because I don't know how you're doing it every day. You're amazing. And don't forget that. Yes. So thank you. So I know, um, you know, for those of you that don't realize, uh, Doreen and I are in the same house and we have a lot of conversations constantly on the topic of uh, resilience. And there's a lot of time spent talking about the resilience of our students, the resilience of our families. And those are important um, conversations. But I wanted to bring to the table and really uh, between the four of us have a very important and uh, beneficial conversation on the topic of resilience for our teachers. So, um, Doreen, you are highly specialized in your area. You have been doing professional development for well over a year. You serve on one of the regional cue boards where you guys are talking about a lot of SEL and wellness. And what we've come to talk about a lot is this idea that um, our teachers don't need wellness right now. They don't need social emotional learning support right now as adults. Our teachers are in crisis. So what are some things that our teachers can begin now to um, think about? Where can they hang their hat? Where might they ground themselves as they begin yet again in a new world with new expectations with the kids that they have been serving now since August? Well, you know, my advice is still the same as it was pre-pandemic. Um, it's really to carve out even just five minutes, five minutes for yourself every day. And it's not a lot, but it's yours. And keep it really basic. Um, sleep, sleep. Valerie, I know you were talking about sleep in the last session. So important. Like you've got to guard your sleep religiously because the you you need that quality sleep in order to be able to function at this level and support your students as well as your own families um try to move when you can um that's you know and support yourself with good food and fresh air sunshine when you can just all the really really basic stuff and it doesn't take a lot it doesn't take a lot of time you just got to find a way to carve that out. Get up five minutes earlier, you know, step out, step outside for five minutes during lunch, anything that can help you kind of keep a little bit of yourself because then you'll have something to give. I always um, talk a lot about the oxygen mask thing. You know, when you're on the airplane, they say, put your oxygen mask on first and you're not doing anybody any good if you're flailing in the aisle because you can't breathe. So the same applies to you teachers, like you guys have got to take care of yourselves on some level in order to keep going. Right. Great point um, on the topic of rest and sleep. Um, you know, I want to offer up a validation and, and Doreen had done the same thing when she had said the concept of uh, teachers now going on a year that are taking a beating. Um, so we go into the pandemic. I'm an IT director in a school district, and we had to very quickly get all these teachers teaching from home because we did not take a break. We did not say, oh, what the heck, we're just going to take the rest of the year off. So we had to quickly support an entire um, organization of staff and get them online. 
And I kept finding myself, I'd be taking these nice walks. I'd take a hike with uh, Doreen and the dog. And I'd be um, thinking and hearing all these conversations happening on Twitter or in podcasts about, oh, this is a great time, you know, to really work on yourself. This is a time for self-improvement. And it took maybe five minutes. And I was angry because I was working 12 plus hours a day. I was exhausted. And just like all of our teachers and all of our classified staff and all of our administrators that have not taken a break, that have not paused, it is not an option right now to work on yourself, right? There is no, I'm going to take time and really, you know, take do a hobby and think about the things that I love. Um, so I want to bring that to the table and get some of your guys' thoughts. And if you want to um, unmute, I'm thinking, let's just have a free flowing conversation around survival. So in the last podcast, Valerie, you mentioned towards the end, um, the importance of just sleep. Uh, Doreen reiterated it to just rest. So what are the things that you might be doing? I'm not in the classroom right now. Um, I'm in a very different role, taking a breath myself. What are the things that you guys can do to breathe? Um, I think just like all the tech trainings that I do, I always end with dot, right? Do one thing. <laughs> you don't have to do everything. And it's just this reminder that there are all these things going on. And you may have just learned, like Emily said, there were like 10 different tools that you can use and whatnot. But start with just one, right? Same for yourself, same for your students. You know, stick with what you know best first and then venture out when you have that routine established, right? Um, but just like you, the teachers that I know last year, we went on spring break. Like it was March 13th and then the following week was spring break. But then no one, like no teacher rested during spring break. No one went anywhere. And they had extended spring break by another week of just no classes. And so during those two weeks, everybody in the tech department was working like maniacs. The teachers were trying to figure out everything. There was this entire training schedule pulled up like, okay, here, let me train you how to use these tools. It was insane, like absolute insanity. And no one was sleeping then either, right? Um, and so now we're kind of heading back into the same feeling once again, except now we've got about a month's time before we have to go back. And so it's like, okay, it's coming. <laughs> and we've got <laughs> spring break coming as well. We're going back, we got spring break and then the kids come back. So it's like, okay, what can we do now? I'm, I'm trying to stay as optimistic as I possibly can. <laughs> And it really is just, okay, one step at a time, one thing at a time, right? Um, right. I really like that idea of just do one thing. I mean, I've I've also done that through the years in all of our Q trainings and all of our different camps. I've always talked about just, just one thing. And I know, Doreen, you talk about that a lot with the just take five. It's It's just one thing you can do, right? Take five. Sleep everywhere you can take a 10 minute nap, take a five minute nap, take a 20 minute nap. 
those little moments of, of rejuvenation and, and uh, rest will allow you to endure um, whatever is coming next. So I, I'm a little distracted because Emily, I, you've probably noticed in Facebook, we do have a question for you. So uh, would you like to read that question and respond? And you are muted. I don't know if you can see it. Do you want me to read it and you can respond? Now yeah, I'm go ahead and read mute. it. Hello. Go ahead and read it. Yeah. There we are. By the way, hello. <laughs> all right. So, um, one of our our fantastic followers uh, is in our uh, live stream right now. Is saying, Emily, do students like or dislike the hybrid learning model overall? That's a good question. Uh, we've gotten <laughs> mostly positive, like sort of reviews, you could say. But I think the there are some struggles that students are having on both both coasts. <laughs> um, one being like the students in the classroom. We use the Meeting All Pro, and um, we, you know, when you have uh, any kind of class discussion. Um, it's hard for the distance learners to sometimes hear the comments that other students in the classroom are making um, unless you create a structure in the classroom for, okay, if you have something to say to the whole group, like walk up a little closer to this line and then speak directly into the meeting owl pro. Um, not, you know, not every classroom does that all the time. And so just picking up some things that, in, that kids in that class are saying can be difficult at times and it can make the distance learners feel a little disconnected. Um, and another um, thing is that, you know, making sure that the distance learners feel that they're a part of the conversation and a part of the environment is very difficult and challenging for, for teachers. Um, there, I've seen some really great things though, you know, um, like making sure that all of their videos are always showing on the classroom TV, no matter what you're showing to, to the students in the classroom. Um, can really help it, you know, it, it can make that connection so that kids in the classroom can interact more and see the faces of those online students. Um, the tricky part with that, especially with uh, middle schoolers, is that it can be very difficult for them to keep their cameras on, even if you go, even if you go really thoroughly into like, this is our expectation for showing your face and feeling part of a community, you know, and there's always going to be those students that just don't feel comfortable. And so, you know, we've tried different things around that, but there, you know, and, and students that are at home, you know, if they're already struggling academically or struggling socially, it's going to amplify many times if they're at home. And especially if their parents are not able to provide a lot of uh, like in, in the moment support. Uh, I can think of a few students where they're struggling even more and the parents are considering having them come back to campus. Um, so depending on the situation at home and the support they have, distance learning can feel very disconnected and it can um, not be as effective if depending on the student and what their situation is. And so those Families might have to reevaluate midway through the year. Is this working the best for my child? Um, there's no perfect uh, learning situation right now, I don't think. Um, but I would say 
overwhelmingly, the kids that we have on campus are happy. They, they seem very happy and engaged and happy to be with their friends. Um, and so that's a really good sign just emotionally. It's, a, it's really helping the school culture. And it's just helping those distance learners feel included that I think is the most, most challenging part of it. Oh, thank you. So, I, you know, I do want to add on as a technology leader, um, I'm in a lot of different professional association groups and having a lot of uh, conversations behind the scenes. So I want teachers to know that your tech teams, they have been working to prepare classrooms for your return for the better part of a year. Uh, Emily is a team of two. They had, gosh, I think days or maybe a, a couple of weeks to get their classrooms ready for this scenario. Uh, but please know that your tech teams are having a lot of conversation. They're collaborating with a lot of other tech leaders all over the state to make sure that they get solutions into the classrooms that are easy to manage, easy to navigate, and will help teachers feel, you know, one less um, bit of stress. So. That I know is is what's happening at a high speed in your district right now, Valerie. Um, what are some of the other pieces that might help alleviate concerns for teachers? We talked about maintenance departments. Um, what are some of the other areas, Valerie, that you want to share that you guys are now tackling? So Emily just mentioned about students not being the online students not being able to hear the in-person students. Um, and we got omnidirectional mics for every single teacher. And so we have to find a strategic place to plug in this microphone um, and, you know, play with the correct microphone settings and whatnot to kind of test these things out, right? And so we were lucky that there were some teachers who wanted to test it out earlier. So some of us like we got some of these mics back in December to set them up. And then it was fun, I guess, trying to play with these mics to see how much noise we can make within the classroom and then still use our inside voice or non-teacher voice in different corners of the room to see how good this mic can work. Um, and we seem to have found a good mic and now we've got hundreds of them <laughs> for all of the teachers, right? Um, and there's just other things to consider too because we're like, okay, so now we've got a mic that we're gonna plug in and there's like the Elmo that we gotta plug in. The Lenovo's that we have, well, they're, they only come with two USB ports. Okay, so then now we got to get some dongles. So there's like good dongle action going on, right? And are these dongles reliable if we plug all these things in, you know? So it's just, okay, lots of different tech moving parts. And it's like, okay, let's try this dongle. I'm going to like plug in my Elmo, plug in the mic, plug in um, the mouse and keyboard stuff, right? Like plug in everything and then jump in a Zoom meeting and then have everybody who can possibly join me, join me. Let me share my screen at the same time. And is everything still functioning? And that's like, oh, okay. Not so much lag. You can still hear me. You can still me hear me talk. Okay. I think 
<laughs> think this might be a viable machine <laughs> or a viable dongle, <laughs> right? It's just like we're going these leaps and bounds and testing these items to make sure that we could offer our teachers a good tool so that it's one less thing they would have to worry about. Right, right. I like that. Um, so during hearing, you know, these guys talk about all of the different technology pieces, I'm wondering what you would recommend to a teacher that is not as tech savvy, that's going to be going into a classroom really soon and trying to figure out this technology. What are some things that the teacher can just know to help them work through this time around is it the same concept of take five? Is it practicing a little more resilience? Is it thinking through and breaking down the problem? What are uh, some strategies that teachers can use as they're trying to get back into their room, figure out all the technology, connect with families, and then look at all these you know, small numbers of students in front of them? Breathe. First is breathe. And no... You know, I think in most sites, at least in my experience, that you know who the tech gods and goddesses are, go ask them because they're happy to support you and happy to share and they will support you. I mean, I think that's what's, what's been so hard about the pandemic for us as educators is the lack of community, right? We don't get to have any kind of water cooler conversations anymore you don't get to say, hey, you know, I don't know where to plug this thing in um, like you would informally. So really reaching out and making that connection with your colleagues. Um, you know, we're all in the same sink and ship together. <laughs> so, you know, reaching out and having that human connection is both good is good for both of you and gives you an opportunity to get what you need. I mean, I'm I, I profess to be kind of a Luddite, but I tend to know more than some of my teacher friends do. So I never hesitate to um, offer help when I can, because I, I know what it's like to be frustrated and embarrassed in front of a kid because you can't produce. Um, I was in a different role at the beginning of the pandemic, and I was doing some synchronous sessions with asynchronous um, learning. and boy, it was, it was really tough. And I mean, I kind of know what I'm doing. So for somebody who's really not tech savvy, it, it, it's a pretty big st steep hill to climb. So know that you're not alone. There's lots of folks out there that are all different kinds of levels. And the most confident teachers sometimes are the worst with technology and that's okay. That's why we have each other. That's why we have to have our own, you know, learning communities to build together as, as, teachers as well as for our students. Yeah, we're all coming from a different place, Doreen. Like you're saying, we there are teachers and admin that have different levels of experience and awareness of how things work together in a process. And there's no, I don't, there's no absolutely no right or wrong way to enter that experience. Um, as long as you're reaching out if you do need resources and just having a sense of, I don't have to know everything. I can um, allow for 
maybe a student to jump in and help me. I, I can talk through, like if I'm stuck in a moment, I can talk through it out loud, just like you would if you're teaching students how to problem solve and, and modeling that. You're, 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 you're still modeling for them. You're teaching them how you can react in a, in a healthy way and still keep the learning going. And, and as a bonus, you're getting more student involvement and they can feel empowered to jump in and help as experts too. Or, um, and that's happened to me before, you know, it's like you, um, it, it can happen to like anybody. It's just about how you react to it. Right. And we all have different levels of, of experience with that. So I think it's important to practice, like, how am I going to react if this one thing I'm banking on, whether it's a, an adapter for something or like a whole uh, like synchronous lesson. Uh, what if something happens? Like, how am I going to react? And I would suggest don't feel that you need to just stand there and, and freeze and go through everything silently. You know, if you feel like it, you need to just be like, Hey, we're all going to take a body break for five minutes and I'll, and I'm going to jump into this. Thanks for your patience. Like, I appreciate your flexibility. Let's come back and fight, you know, or you could make it into a learning experience where you're modeling like, Oh, I wonder if I need to just quit zoom and reopen it. Like, does anyone else have another suggestion, you know, kind of build it into your lesson. So I've seen and experienced all of those things. Um, everyone is capable. You are all capable of being learners and educators. So remember that we are all students as well. And just remember that you have the power. Yeah, great advice. And I, yeah, I want to be mindful of everyone's time because uh, Valerie is planning at high speed and Emily's going to work every day and teaching in a hybrid world. Um, Doreen and I are supporting all of the teachers on our uh, campuses and in our districts. So Doreen, um, do you have any final um, tidbits that you would like to offer up to our uh, listeners out there, our teacher friends? Um, well, First of all, I want to acknowledge, Emily, you, you hit the nail on the head. Get the kids involved. Let them help. It's huge. And when you're feeling technically frust flustered and frustrated, they are your number one ally. Um, and it can really teach them how to be resilient and to see you learning along with them. Um, final thoughts, I would say um, don't feel like you're alone. You're not. We're out here rooting for you every inch of the way. There's a lot of parents on your side too. So don't forget that. And um, just take take five minutes for yourself. I'm always going to encourage you to do that. And then breathe. Thank you. Uh, Emily, any final thoughts that you want to offer for our listeners out there? Be mindful of who you are in the present moment. What do you need? Like Val was saying earlier, what are the just the simple things? What is one thing I can start with that can help me progress or plan or, or figure out this setup, just start simple. And also on the more um, mindfulness side, what can I do to cope with the trauma that I'm going through? Whether that's setting your alarm at a different time, whether it's creating something, I actually run a different website called create to cope.com where it's where we try to focus on different projects or different, just small ideas on how you can either create things yourself or help students create just to cope through tough trauma and, uh, and heavy emotions. Um, and that could also just be baking or it could be 
not even necessarily creating an end product. It could be maybe I'm going to, you know, sweep the floor like twice as much at home just to have a mindful minute. Um, so I would say start there with the core being of your of you and and um, in your teaching, start simple. Thank you. Very nice. So Valerie, uh, you're you're in the thick of planning for a district that's about to go back to brick and mortar and hybrid. What are your final thoughts to offer on Tuesday evening? Um, you can go through the steps of grief like I'm going through, right? Where I feel like I I was really angry. Um, I'm not generally an angry person, but I was definitely really angry last week and still like I still have my bursts of anger. Um, maybe some of y'all saw my Facebook post this morning, right? About how just hybrid, concurrent hybrid is just wrong or how I feel it is just wrong and unfriendly. But, you know, I'm also coming to accept that this is maybe just how it's gonna be. And with circumstances, I don't know, the kids do need us, you know, and we need them in person. They're, they're, let's make some good lemonade, right? With these lemons that are being chucked at us one way or another. Um, and talk to your friends, you know, you don't, I don't want the toxic po positivity either. Like, yeah, we could totally do this. It's going to be great. Woo woo, you know, but this is going to be reality and that this may be what fall is going to look like as well. Right. So what can we do? What are the tools? Like how can you leverage what you already know and what you already use into this new situation, you know, um, because there, it can be kind of hopeful and, and I'm really just mostly excited about, the shift that's gonna be more towards student-centered learning, that can happen. And if this is what, you know, we've been talking about this in education of moving towards this, where students have more choice, there's more student independence, where the teachers are the facilitators. So maybe it is this transition into concurrent hybrid that will really push us towards a student-centered learning environment. That's the optimism that I'm going to bed with tonight. So <laughs> maybe check oh, back with me tomorrow that. and I'll be really angry again. I don't know. <laughs> well, and I really appreciate uh, how raw you are, Valerie, in sharing this experience. Um, you know, this kind of brought us together last week when we hadn't checked in in a while. And then when we finally did, we hear this thing that you're going through. And I thought, man, we, we want to share this with other people so that they know they're not alone. So um, thank you so much for that. Uh, here's, here's what I have to say. I, I think about you every day and I worry for you because you're in crisis. And here's what I have to offer uh, rest and find relationships with others and look for resilience in yourself because you are powerful. You are a teacher. Everything you do matters. So find moments where you can rest and rest does not mean napping. 
Uh, rest might mean cooking, like Emily talked about. It might mean connecting with uh, your community. Doreen had mentioned the importance of relationships and reaching out and saying, hey, I need help. I'm struggling. Um, rest is a kind of an all-encompassing adjective that I want you to take away from myself that I've been working on for a while, which is to just get through the day. This is this is a crisis. This is a pandemic like we'll never see in our lifetimes again, I hope. And um, we care about you. So we're going to probably live stream again, if I can rope these fine ladies in with their varying levels of um, experience, background, and um, angles so that we can help you through this time. Um, this is not a time I agree to suggest that you're going to become an inner cheerleader and do all these great new things and accomplish all of these goals, just, just get through the day. So um, I think we're good. Is there anything else before we wrap up on our very first live Facebook event? How can people connect with us <gasps> after the streaming? Yeah, great question. So um, Valerie, what are all the ways that people can get to Strug for Change? You can find us on Twitter at Strug for Change. You can find us at our new website. Well, website, but under new, uh, what do you call it? Hyperlink? URL. www.struggleforchange.com. You can find us on Facebook, Struggle for Change. We are also on Instagram, too, under Struggle for Change. So you can kind of find us anywhere and everywhere. And you can follow me, if you'd like, on Twitter, at M-L-L-E Val Sunshine. And you can find these fine, lovely ladies on Twitter as well if y'all want to share your Twitter handles. My handle, is, uh, my handle is EH48 on Twitter. Doreen. I'm at Doreen.Bondi. I am uh, Turbo at T-R underscore B-O. So um, find us, DM us. We would also love to have you on our podcast. We do a, a audio podcast primarily, but we're now starting to dip our toe into video a little bit on our one year anniversary. Uh, and I'm hoping that we'll be doing some, some more live events. So if you want to join us and uh, share how you're feeling and what you're thinking about, this is uh, not meant to be a tip and trick experience. It really is meant to just support you. Um, I, I just can't say on behalf of all these fine ladies how much we care about you. Hang in there every day. Rest. And uh, this is Strug for Change signing off.